Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is Bronson Arroyo from the Cincinnati Reds, and you're listening to Craft Brood Sports with Scott and Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into a special edition of Craft Brood Sports. I am your co-host, Scott. With me, as always, is my main man, Mike. This is Craft Brood Sports. Mike, let's tap this keg of sports knowledge. You bump. I'll pour. My man. <laughs> we are in the building on a Thursday Holy night. Holy shit. With a very special guest, <laughs> Mr. Bronson Arroyo of the Cincinnati Reds. Bronson, thank you very, very much for joining us. No problem. No Dude, problem. I still can't believe you're like in my basement right now, <laughs> like hanging out. <laughs> just right. Just about to just bullshit with us. That's so cool, man. Yeah, man. This is, a, this, this is a, I guess it's not the best part of the job, but it, it's, good, it's, good, it's good sometimes just to be hanging out, playing a guitar, having a beer, hanging out with some yeah. guys from Cincy. Oh, I should have done that. I should have brought the guitar down. Uh, <laughs> maybe if we get you a couple beers deep, we'll go, <laughs> we'll go with that. Well, th- dude, this is so cool that you you agreed to do this, man. Um, I, I can't even, like collect my thoughts at this point. <laughs> we'll do that, please. We need to do the show, Damon. He's not going to be here all night. All right, so let's let's do a quick beer intro before Real we quick. get into uh, the show. This uh, this week, we're, we went back to Mount Carmel, nice brewery from the east side of town. We're doing Mount Carmel's Amber Ale this week. Uh, we've done their Coffee Brown on the show before, and it was a hit. We loved that beer, so we figured let's head back to Mount Carmel. Have you ever been to Mount Carmel Brewery before? No. No, I, like I said, I'm not a big beer drinker to be honest with you I, fit oh, in perfectly yeah well, <laughs> o- over the years when you uh when you wake up you got to go to wrigley field and get a squat workout and like 9 a.m with a hangover it, just, it, just doesn't, it doesn't work so you're just like at, at some point around probably 27 28 i said nah i'm, I'm, I'm that's not happening to me again i'm not, no. I'm, not I'm not dry even in the bullpen before the game those days are long gone have you ever thrown up on the ivy uh, no, not oh, in Wrigley. Man, that would have been amazing. No. That would have been so great to be well, like, so yeah, I puked all over that. Not place. in Wrigley, though. <laughs> that means there's 30 other parks potentially. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, well, initial taste. What do you think of it, man? It's actually it? really, it's really good. Actually, it's got like I, I'm not like I said, I don't know much about beer, and it's it's got like a I don't know. It almost leans to me. It's almost got like a little bit of root beer back behind it, just like it. I could see that. Yeah, it's, it's really smooth. Yeah, I it's could good. see that one. I'm on board already. Uh, as always, we'll see how it holds up. <laughs> as always. <laughs> uh, so everybody that's uh, that's on the Facebook Live video, thank you guys for tuning in. Feel free to post any questions that you guys might have. Any questions that you've ever at- wanted to ask a Major League Baseball pitcher, this is now your opportunity to do it. So feel free to, to jump in. So, Bronson, let's get into it. First off, man, you're back with the Reds. You spent a good amount of time here during your career. How's it feel to be back with the team after having you know the injury and and now getting back into the swing of things, yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, for for the most part, I mean, it's it's a bit of a grind, you know, trying to just trying to survive after two arm surgeries. And and I was never a hard thrower in the first place, so now you're coming back off two surgeries, you're having to find ways to try to get big league hitters out with you know eighty two, eighty four sometimes. And uh, you know, like in San Diego the other night, I got to give up thirteen hits and you know less than five innings. So. Um, you know, it's been tough, but it, overall, I mean, it's been fantastic to be in an organization where I know everybody from the owner all the way down to the guys that clean the locker room and um, be with a bunch of young guys in, in uh, you know, in a place that they're trying to revamp the organization. You're trying to take a, a key group of four or five guys and build around it with your young yeah. staff. And most of that young staff is on the pitching side. And so it's been, it's been really good for me to have interaction with these guys because I just uh, – for whatever reason, when I was when I was coming up in the game and I was around a forty year old when I was like twenty five, <laughs> there was a there was a real wall there, a separation of kind of lifestyle. Yeah. It was like they had kids, they had millions of dollars, they were you know, they had a nanny and, and, and it just it just really was it's not really my bag, you know. And and because I I don't have all of that, it's a lot easier for me, I think, to connect to the young guys and stay connected to them and kind of be impressionable. 
um, on their careers. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, it, getting out there and the arm surgeries and everything. So in Little League, were you like a fireballer or did you try <laughs> to get guys out with your off-speed stuff like back in the day? Yeah, no, way back in the day I was a total fireballer. Yeah, I was, I was a real skinny kid, though, but I was just, for whatever reason, I could throw the ball hard. I mean, when I was, I played in Key West. I grew up in the Keys when I was young. Mm-hmm. And when I was seven, eight, nine years old, by the time I was nine, I mean, there would be a lot of times when parents would have to come out of the stands and push their kids in the box because they'd be crying. <laughs> like, they didn't, they didn't want any part of it. And, 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 and uh, it was probably that way till I was about 13 or 14. And then some other guys caught growth spurts and they were growing beards and they were getting bigger and stronger. And I was still probably one of the top five best players in the league, but mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't physically dominant like I was from seven on. And so then it took, me, it took me until about my junior year or senior year of high school to kind of catch back up and pass those guys back up again because it was, I was kind of a late bloomer in a way. You know, I was only 150 pounds when I graduated at 6'4", so I was kind of a string bean. And I really didn't, <laughs> I didn't shave till I was like 22. So it was, wow. I was, yeah, I was, I was kind of a baby-faced kid. It took a while uh-huh. to really kind of develop. Man, that's crazy. Now, you mentioned that when you were younger, you had that kind of disconnect with the 40-year-olds. Do you notice that disconnect at all on the team now? Like uh, somebody like Amir Garrett, does he come to you for advice? And, yeah, and- absolutely. I, I'm, I'm the guy they come to for everything. But, you know, I, I, I always <laughs> just leave an open – I've just been very friendly and very kind. Right. And, and I leave an open-door policy, and I let these guys know that there's nothing they can ask me. There's nothing that they can want or need from me that, that, that is off the table. You know, I, I just enjoy – I've always enjoyed giving to the guys on the team. I mean, there's there's a whole there's a whole part of any sport, I'm sure, definitely in baseball that people wouldn't even realize. For instance, if you were 25 years old, you're pitching in the big leagues, it's your first year, maybe your arm's bothering you a little bit, you're not going to walk in the training room and ask for, for an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, try to get right? You're not going to because right. they're, they're immediately going to raise up a red flag. They're maybe going to shut you down, make you see the doctor, and you don't want to go through that process. So mm-hmm. so they'll come to a guy like me and be like, you know, what can I do, man? And I might, you know, I'll have a whole bag of, of cataflam or different types of <laughs> anti-inflammatories to be able to maybe just take the edge off it so they can push through the rest of the season yeah. and not have a big problem. But just, just small things like that. I've just been so open with guys and they can come to me and ask whatever they want that over a very short amount of time by the time spring training's over these guys know that they can do and say whatever in my presence and, and, it's, and it's, 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 it's not going to affect anything well speaking of your younger days when you came up in the MLB uh those were back in the uh, cornrow days coming from two guys who uh are long past even the ability to ever have done that have you ever thought of bringing the cornrows back you know what that, I swear that must be the most frequent question I've gotten this year. Everywhere we go, it doesn't matter if it's Wrigley. Everywhere I go, people are like, yo, you're going to bring the cornrows back. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 if we got on a really hot streak, you know what I mean, and I felt like we were doing some special things, which earlier in the year, you know, we, we were looking good. We obviously had a terrible road trip here in, in, um, on the West Coast, but but I, I think I would bring it back. If there wasn't a flavor on the team, you know, when, when I had those in Boston, it was, it was a really diverse team. And you had oh, Pe- yeah. Pedro Martinez had just grown a big old Jerry curl out. <laughs> we, had, we had Johnny Damon, who looked like Jesus. He had the long hair and the beard. And you had Manny Ramirez, the corner. I mean, he had the dreads going. You know, we just had a really wacky locker room. We had guys right. like Derek Lowe. We had a guy named Curtis Laskanek. I mean, it was a lunatic locker room. And Kevin Millar was kind of the, was the master who made this whole thing go. And so um, having cornrows in that locker room was, was not that odd. You know what I mean? <laughs> after, after, after a couple of days, it was like the only guy who looked at me, I remember when I first got him in San Francisco that day, uh, I walked out down to the lobby in the same hotel we stay at now is the Western St. Francis there in, in San Francisco. And, and Kurt Schilling said, what is that in your head? Man? And, of uh, course, Kurt Schilling and, It was Kurt. You know, he was more straight-laced and it wasn't right. his gig. But, uh, but after, I, you know, I didn't lose. I don't think I lost the game for about 15, 16, 17 starts in a row after that. And oh, so he was God. like, all right, ride with it. You know, it was no big deal. Got it after that. But, you know, I don't know if I'll ever bring him back. You know, in a lot of ways, I feel like uh, I I never feel too old for too many things, but sometimes I feel too old for corners. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. So speaking of Kurt Schilling, uh, the the rumor out there is that he gave you a very interesting nickname uh, while you were on that Boston team. Uh, is there truth to the rumor that Schilling was the one that coined Saturn Nuts? Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't. Kurt might have had something to do with it, but my remembrance of it, and obviously, you know, sometimes, I mean, you look at, you look at the 2006 team here when I first got here in Cincinnati, and there'll, there'll be two or three guys that I'll be like, man, I know that face, but I can't remember the name. It's just, it's amazing how your memory sometimes eludes you. Yeah. But what I remember from that was getting postcards from the Boston Red Sox kind of fan club. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like the rosy red legs for, the, for Cincinnati. It was, they had a group in Boston like that. And I, that was the first time I had seen it. They were starting to write it on these postcards. Like, man, great series against the Yankees, dude. Fucking we're calling you Saturn nuts. That's, that's what <laughs> I that, never heard this until Mike asked the question. I was yeah. like, wait, how did I 
missed that fact. <laughs> that's what I remember. But maybe Kurt said it in a, in an interview, and that's how they got to it. I'm I'm not okay. sure. Yeah, there was something the way I read it, and I don't, again, I don't know if it's true, but apparently it was posted on some message board that it was like, "I'll take the young guy. He's got nuts the size of Saturn." Yeah, and maybe that, that was, was it. That's where. Saturn nuts came from. Yeah, it's fun, it's funny because for a long time I didn't know that that was like on my my baseball reference page. You know, it, it, it was like years later because I really didn't look at a lot of that stuff when I was in Boston, and even years afterwards. And then I was like, whoa, they've they've got that as my like official. <laughs> like, so, so wait, when the when they open up the uh, nickname thing here later on in the season, you're gonna go with Saturn nuts? Yeah, no, no, I actually. <laughs> I, the weird thing is I've never had like a permanent nickname in the game. Every team really? you, yeah, when yeah. you're on different teams, sometimes you get, you know, it's some, usually it's, it's part of someone's name, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're playing, yeah. if you're playing with a guy like, um, God, I can't even think of Votto wouldn't work, but, uh, you know, BP, obviously Brandon Phillips, like you just get something that's right. very standard for your name. Yeah. And I've never had a name like that. Nobody ever, a few guys would call me B or call me Bronx over the years, but a lot of times, I don't know. I had, I had, Nicknames in Boston that were like uh, they had named us all one year um, by what they thought our pitches were, and it was something to do with like like tools and stuff. So one year I was like I was like tax. It was like oh your stuff is sharp. It's like tax. <laughs> and then and then and then I used to I used to always call girl dirty call girls dirties right like not in a, not in a bad not, not in a bad no, way no 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 no, no but no, I, 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 I know that's yeah, yeah I'd be like yo yo Derek Lowe come on bro let's go get some dirties <laughs> <laughs> so. So because of that, yes. they started calling me dirty. They, they'd be like, "Dirty, what's up, dirty?" And so, uh, so I got that one. And then, and then uh, the last, the latest one I got was was uh, free love in uh, in um, in Arizona. Mike Harkey is the the bullpen coach for the Yankees, and he, you know, my spirit of just just kind of being like a hippie a little bit and not living inside of anybody else's boxes. He started calling me free love. So <laughs> that one works. I love dirties. I'm going to start using that. I, that all that's the pretty time. good one. I, I hope that catches. Yeah, on. and it was affectionately, man. Trust me, it was with love. It was with love. You know what I mean? No doubt. Well, you said, and obviously you've been in the major leagues for a long time. Who's your absolute favorite teammate you've ever played with? I think uh, you know you always have a special relationship with the guys that catch you. And, I, and I've had a bunch of favorite teammates in, in different ways. I think Kevin Millar was, was, was the funniest, wittiest guy I ever played with, hands down. I mean, I would pay that guy a million dollars just to be inside of a clubhouse. <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. Just I mean, if, if, you, if, up yeah, if you watch a show at 5 o'clock every day on Intentional yeah. Talk, man, he makes it go better than anybody who's ever played this game. There's no doubt about it. But I think probably David Ross and Ryan Hannigan, the two guys that caught me here for a long time. I mean, you know, there's something about when you're really in the, in, in, in the grind and you're, and you're at war with these teams and you, and you only are having this kind of mental telepathy thing going on with what's going on in the way you're trying to beat hitters, mm-hmm. you know, with your catcher. And those two guys just really knew how I like to pitch and, and how offbeat I like to pitch. And we just got in sync and we, they caught me for, you know, two, three, four years at a clip, both of them. And so I think, um, and, and, and they were also guys who were kind of on my page in the nightlife, you know, they like to go out, they like to have a drink every once in a while. And, and they, um, so we were, we were together a lot, you know, we'd be mm-hmm. in my room late night playing the guitar and having shenanigans. And David Ross used to dance the old, you know, he'd sing like, of old, he danced. yeah, I know. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. He'd be like, he'd be rapping like old 80s rap songs over my guitar when I'd be playing. And, and, and he'd be dancing all these messed up dancers that he, that he didn't get to use on Dance with the Stars. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, those two guys were probably my, my boys. <laughs> That's amazing. I did, so you knew like back then you're like, this guy's going to make it as a dancer one day. No, <laughs> nobody knew that for sure, man, because we thought he was probably too square for that. To, you know, his, his moves were, his hips didn't move good enough. But, Have but, you talked a lot of trash to him since then? No, I, I've talked to him a few times. Actually, he was boarding a plane. He was just about to start the show last time I talked to him. And he was like, yeah, we got a couple of weeks. He's like, I'm sure I'm going to be kicked off soon. And, uh, you know, all the way. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, what people saw on that show of his personality, that, that's hard to do, right? It's hard to take somebody who, if you know him personally and they're authentic and they're special and, you, you know, you really love this guy inside of a clubhouse, it takes a while for that to, to kind of, um, I guess – transfer over to all the other players on the team but yeah. people got to see that on tv in a very quick short amount of time and you got to see how much they beloved him yeah. on that show and that's why he made it so far in there and, that, and that's what made david ross so special i mean and that's what made him a hero in in, in chicago and, i mean i've heard his name mm. uh, amongst other teams i'm a braves fan and, and when he played for us i remember right. everybody loved him in atlanta yeah. and i 
I loved him. And then every team you hear, it's like that's one of those consistent names that no matter where he's been, he's been a fan favorite Absolutely. and a favorite in the clubhouse. Right. He's that dude that everybody wants to go to. Right. Speaking of which, you've played in both the AL and NL. Which do you prefer with no DH or with DH? Are you a DH guy? Or well, let's, let's back this up. So uh, when you're on the mound, do you want to see a DH? Or are you, I'm guessing you're more excited to see a pitcher oh, absolutely. coming up yeah. there. Yeah. So, yeah. so from right. that perspective. Well, not, not only is it, is, it, is it a much weaker out, but it also allows you to pitch the seven and the eight-hole guy a little bit different if you need yeah. to late in the game. Right. And you're kind of looking down this order. But, um, but you're yeah, pretty I, decent with the stick, so I mean, yeah, you gotta want to get up there. And yeah, have. that's the thing. I enjoy. I, I, if I had to choose one or the other, I probably would take the National League because there's a lot more action going on. Yeah. You've got to learn to bunt. You've got to run the bases, and I do think I enjoy that. But I will say the flip side of that coin is when you're in the American League, as long as you're putting zeros on the board, you never have to worry about getting yanked out of a game. Right. That's true, right? So it's like it's like after six innings, you're you're looking good, but you're down two to one, and there's a couple guys on base. You don't have to think about that in the American League. In the right. National League, you're like, man, I you know I wanted to stay in the ball game. I could have won this thing three to two but you didn't get an opportunity to have your at bat yeah. so it's it's a double-edged sword e- either way you cut it you're you're you know you're damned if you do damned if you don't so you mentioned that that kind of point in the game when when you do get pulled out and has there ever been an in or a time uh, and actually this is you're probably not going to answer this but i'm gonna ask it anyways <laughs> <laughs> if and i've always wanted to know this from the starting pitcher's perspective when a reliever kind of blows a uh, a situation where you had that one run lead right or the closer blows the save how pissed do you get sitting in that dugout <laughs> after that happens? Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily pissed at that guy, you know what I mean? Because all of us go out there and give up runs very quickly at times, you know, and I've been right. in the bullpen. I haven't been a starter my whole career. I've been in the bullpen a little bit with the Red Sox in the playoffs especially. And I also, back in my early days, I was eight years in the Pirate organization. That's yeah. who I was drafted by. Mm-hmm. And I got to pitch in the bullpen when I was really young, kind of bouncing back and forth in rotation. And, um, you know, it's definitely frustrating only because – it has nothing to do with the guy that's on the mound. It's just that you work so hard throughout the year to try to win baseball games. And if you win 15 in the season, like you tow the rubber 32, 33 times, if you, have, if you win 15 times, it's an unbelievable year, right? right. Like yeah. I, I think I won 17, 15, 15 here, three years in a row, eight, nine, and 10. And I think I was one of four guys that have ever won 15 plus in three straight seasons for the Reds, right? So it just doesn't happen very often. Right. right. And so, you know, when you, when you, work out the four days in between man and you're grinding hard you get out there and you're, you're winning three to two and you got the game on lock and there's six outs left to go and then they blow it you know what I mean it, it, it's frustrating like I said nothing to do with the individual but just the fact that man you know this only comes along so many times and it's yeah. really something to celebrate and it's also something that can carry you you know when you win a baseball game it doesn't matter how many runs you give up it's just so hard to come by that you know it carries you for the next four days the soreness that you're dealing with man in between starts it makes those workouts so much easier you know and when you get your butt kicked and then you got to go the next day and get a squat workout and it is it's like <laughs> hell man it just tough. is yeah so what's your favorite city to pitch in like what stadium and city just in general yeah we were talking about this on the bench yesterday because um, I think the place, the places that you're always going to say you enjoy pitching in the most is where you've had success. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the way the mound is, the clay on the mound, how the, the, the backstop behind home plate looks, sometimes it seems closer or further away. And they, you just have some little nuances that makes you feel comfortable. And I, the places that I've felt really good over the years has been uh, Milwaukee. I've had great success there. San Diego. That's why I was surprised the other night. You know, it was, an all, it was a mostly right-handed hitting lineup, a yeah, bunch right. of young guys. And mostly in my career, if it's a bunch of young guys that never seen me before and, and um, all right-handed, I mean, I usually chew those lineups apart. Right. <laughs> and they, you know, they put 13 hits up on me in less than six innings. So it was um, – they hit the ball great. And uh, so I'd say San Diego, uh, Milwaukee, and, and uh, San Fran. San Fran, those three over the years have been really good to me, at least for for the last 10 years since I've been here in Cincinnati. And um, places like, you know, St. Louis, very, very tough to get a win in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been tough. You, didn't matter if you got deep in the ball game. Somehow, some way, it always wind up being where Albert was coming up or or, <laughs> or, or Holiday was coming up with two right. guys on and you're Somebody up by two. Yeah, 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 some, clutch. Somehow, there's something clutch going on, and you wind up not getting a win in that stadium. It was like that in Yankee Stadium as well. I never got a loss in Yankee Stadium, but it was always a battle, man. You could never f- really lock the door on them and just get that yeah. win. You know, that's a badge of honor to never get a loss in Yankee. Yeah, Stadium. <laughs> we are non-Yankees fans. I go so far as to say Yankee haters. So, never right. having a loss there—that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, during your time in Boston, man, you uh, you were asked to sing backup for a Dropkick Murphy song, Tessie. Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. So they now the the story of that song goes that. 
they said that they were going to release this song and it was going to bring the, the World Series championship back to Boston. So my question is, how come Theo Epstein gets all this credit when it clearly should go to Dropkick <laughs> That's Murphy's? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The Dropkick, I tell you what, I've never been on a team that a band was so close to the organization. You know, Boston yeah. is kind of a strange place where they really, um, they've got a very eclectic kind of group of people there that are a lot musicians that are very close to Theo and Peter Gammons. And there's this whole thing, that hot stove cool music they do in the offseason, the Dropkick yeah. Murphys, right in the middle of that. I mean, after we won the World Series, we had a banquet that Ben Affleck, um, hosted, I think it was on opening day of 05 oh, when we got shit. our rings and, and to drop kick Murphy's, you know, there was a bunch of older people, obviously in the crowd, cause they were the only ones who could afford <laughs> to pay for the plates right. and the drop kick Murphy's are up there, man. And they're just getting after it. Right, bro. And freaking these, these older people are just looking at them like, what is going on right now? But in, in Beantown, those guys are well-respected. And then obviously you saw in 07 when they were really tight with the kind of the Papelbon group who mm-hmm. won it again. So. They, yeah, they're they're infamous around around Boston. Yeah, how did, how was that to to be a part of that music video and that song? Like, cause yeah, that's, was, that's got some history in Boston, and then for them to kind of revitalize that and make it an anthem for the Red Sox that they still use today, like that yeah. still is played. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there's a love there for music that's a little different than any other place I've ever been, at least. And and there's there's a guy named Jeff Horgan who's a beat writer, was a beat writer for a long time. And um, he actually worked here in Cincinnati, I think, for quite a few years as well. And he's now in Milwaukee, and he's out of the, he's out of the game. But he's the one who puts that hot stove cool music together every year. And he was the one who was the brainchild of Tessie. Okay. And he was kind of the go between between the, you know the ballpark and the musicians, and kind of making this whole thing happen. But it was really fun to be a part of that. We went. I remember one day we went in in the studio with those guys, and we were kind of shouting those big vocals in the back with a big yeah. group of people. And I don't remember who was there with me. I think Lenny Donardo and I think Johnny Damon might have been there. There was quite a few of us. I've heard Damon was on that. Maybe one, yeah. maybe Kevin Euclid. I can't remember, but. It, <laughs> Like I said, your memory, sometimes it fades a little bit. <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah, man. I, I can't remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, it, you know, St. Louis and some of the other tougher places to play. Imagine that those are also some of the places where you hear a lot more from the uh, uh-huh, local fan base. <laughs> Have you, it, you know, everybody's seen the video with Joey, which we love, thought it was hilarious as far as him firing back at the fans. Has a fan ever made you, like, really upset where you got to that point where you're like, mm, but I, I just, I'm going to keep cool. No, I, I've always, I've, I don't have an ego for many things, but one of them has been to be able to go out on the mound, be getting your butt kicked, and, and not have anyone be able to see the expressions on your face to know what the score of the game is, right? And, right. and, and part of it is, is purely strategy, you know, not wanting the other team to be able to take advantage of the fact that you're frustrated out there, that you're showing emotion, that you can't throw strikes or that you're getting hit hard or whatever it is. And so I've taken too much pride in kind of doing it the opposite way. So when I'm warming up in the bullpen and there's been times, I mean, Yankee Stadium in the playoffs was absolutely vicious, man. And uh, <laughs> and Philly, Philly in uh, two, Philly. 2010 uh, the was the same thing. I mean, these guys in, in the playoffs, it's amazing. Like people are always trash talking to baseball games, but in the playoffs they go and they look at your wikipedia page man they know your mom's middle name bro it's unbelievable it's like it's like you're it's like you're 14 again and you're like all right we're all gonna rip on each other's moms for the next year right it, and, so even fans get in playoff mode huh? oh yeah ab- absolutely and the craziest part is you'll, they'll be standing right above you man and they're just talking so much trash and cussing and, um, and usually there's cops standing right next to them and they're just laughing too you know what i mean they, they're not going to do anything about it but I, i'll say i say baltimore philly and, and new york those three big were probably those were, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah the big three at least from the times i was in the bullpen right <laughs> have you ever had a, an instance where you're you're warming up and then you see who's the plate umpire that game and you're just like oh fuck i got cb buckner damn it no i i, 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 I know you know i i actually um this year, I've probably been focusing more on the umpires than I ever have before because there's so many young guys in the game. And I, I feel like the strike zones have been a little bit tighter with the young guys than ever before because I think that we're probably, due to technology, getting critiqued a little bit more on TV yeah. with the strike zone and stuff. And I feel like it used to be you got a little bit more on the outer edges, you know what I mean? You didn't get as much up and down. And now they might give you a little bit more up but nothing off the edges, which is making it obviously tough for a guy like me right. to pitch because, you know, if you watch Maddox and, and, and Glavin and oh, Jamie yeah. Moyer back in the day, I mean, if, if, if those guys weren't getting a full ball off the plate 
game over. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have been able to probably put up, you know, one five ERAs either. I mean, it would have been much, much tougher. But um, I tended in the past to never pay attention to the umpires. And I'll tell you why. Because most, like a guy like Schilling, he studied all of them. He knew all of them. He knew their strike zones. And he, he made it a point to know it so he'd go in the game and kind of pitch in those zones. But for me, I never wanted to feel like I was walking into a game where I felt like, well, I'm, I'm facing Yankees in Yankee Stadium or I'm facing the Cardinals in St. Louis and they got this unbelievably powerful lineup and I'm already pissed off that the umpire behind the plate has got a tight zone, right? So yeah. I, I always just – I literally would just say hi to these guys, know them by name, but never really – know their strike zone mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean there might be a couple of guys in the game that you would know like this guy might be a little bit tighter than everyone so else often. just because yeah. yeah but other than that i really and, and there's so many guys kind of rotating around the league you don't realize there's a lot a lot of umpires out there and so i just i just go game to game and, and for a guy like cb who's gotten a lot of criticism over the years yeah. for not being the best in the game you know because sometimes he can be all over the place one night you know you think he's fantastic for for, That's for yourself true. Yeah. because you get out there and he's calling a lot of strikes and boom 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 and you're like great game and then there'll be other times <laughs> when he could be totally on the opposite side of the coin so well, i just angel hernandez falls into that category yeah. too <laughs> of not knowing the strike i guess strike zone. i didn't think about it from that side because most of the people complain about those guys are they're complaining that their guys are getting struck out so from the pitcher right. side you're like yeah these guys are great right absolutely yeah it, it, it's it's a give and take well, you know yesterday i was talking to to mesrocco actually after the game in the shower and he was he was saying you know that he had he had gotten called out on the pitch or maybe it was two days ago and he was like it was a terrible pitch there's no way there was a strike it was four inches out off the plate and um he was saying you know the younger umpires have been right on the plate and he's like really enjoying that right because now they know right where the strike zone is but from the flip side of the coin it's like you know i i'm i'm nibbling that first pitch back to a breaking ball to the left is man just missing by a millimeter and they're like ball 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 and i'm like man you're killing me here because you know the difference between a 2-1 count and a 1-2 count is like Absolutely. light year yeah. light years right. apart everything changes Absolutely. so what's it weirder to see yourself as a bobblehead or say a video game oh wow i have you really like played I don't know. as you're do you no, play video games? no. I, I, you know what? I haven't played a video game since I was 16 years old. I don't think. No I, shit. When I got a car, I stopped playing video games. It's funny, but uh, I, my wife would be happy to hear that. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'm still playing video games. It's like, I know. Uh... I was on. I, we had a we had a panel earlier in the year, and it was me, Brian Price, Bob Castellini, Cody Reed, and uh, and Scooter Jeanette, and we were talking about. They were asking us what we do in our free time and stuff, and and they asked Cody, and he said he played a lot of Xbox because a lot of the guys do that on the road, you know, and um. They asked me if I played video games. I said, no, I never played video games since the day I got a car when I figured out, you know, that, that you could drive somewhere and there was chicks in the world. I, said, I just I just could, I couldn't worry about video dirties. games. And Co- and Cody was like, Cody's like, I immediately take it back to Xbox. <laughs> like, You're making me seem like a nerd over here, bro. <laughs> but, I know I'm going to get seat. That's why you don't need to play right. video games anymore. <laughs> but a, a lot of guys actually over the years, I think more and more guys are playing video games because guys are actually taking care of their body a lot more than they did in the past. There was the, the generation that I came up with was more of a beer drinking. Um, you know, a lot of the guys were on steroids. There was amphetamines still in the game. Guys ran a lot harder, right, off off the field. I mean, they were mm-hmm. out a lot more because they also had these amphetamines could get them up every day. Right. And, you know, and, and I, I've drawn a comparison between that and also taking care of their money. Guys, back in the day, you know, you, you find that more and more guys were going broke as they left the game. And I think yeah. guys are getting a little bit smarter in the game. They're toning it down in a lot of ways. They're taking care of their money better. They're taking care of their body better. They're realizing that if you want to last in this game for a long time, you're going to have to you, – you can't burn the candle at both ends all <laughs> right. the time. You know what I mean? So they wind up staying in their room and playing FIFA and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, hang, and, and just hanging out and kind of recharging their batteries. You know, that makes sense too because, like, I've noticed – with the MLB, it seems like you don't have as much off-field issues that you see in some of the other sports leagues. Like NFL, off-season, we're like, oh, somebody's got to fuck up. We'll have stories to right. talk about. But baseball right. players, you don't. there's a little bit of that here and there, but you don't hear it as much as some of those other sports. So that Absolutely. makes sense that everybody's just like, yeah, we'll just go play video games. Yeah, and I, and I think, also think there's something to playing 162, man. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're playing only 14, 16 NFL games, you've got a lot of free time. These guys obviously have a lot of testosterone in their body, right? They want to just like get it out somewhere. And, um, you know, baseball, you're playing every single day. It's such a grind, man, that you just a lot of times. I mean, even for a guy like me who's gone out a lot in his career, man, I find myself just thinking like, man, I'm, I'm just going to watch a documentary in my room because you just, right. you know, the grind of traveling and, and, you know, you go West Coast to East Coast and you got to flip your body back around. And now I got to pitch this Sunday at 1235 or whatever. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, it becomes it becomes tough and tougher over the years. 
Well, what kind of documentaries do you like? What kind of documentaries yeah. does Branson Arroyo watch? Because I, like, I, mean, uh, I love me some documentaries. So. Yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good with anything because a lot of times you're learning about something that you don't necessarily have never heard about. But I would say like the universe stuff is cool for me. I love, yeah. I love, uh, you know, figuring out stuff. Neil deGrasse Tyson is fantastic nice. to watch talk. You know, <laughs> so I mean? are you a world flat guy or world round guy? Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you going Kyrie no, Irving? If, if, if I'm listening, if I'm listening to Neil, right, it's got to be round. And I, I, I tend to lean on the giants of the world, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have many opinions on politics or on or, or, or on the universe because I don't know much about them. But if I'm going to listen to somebody, I'm, I'm listening to Stephen Hawkins, right? I'm not listening. I'm not listening to the guy at the barbershop. Right? <laughs> oh man, we got a question from Facebook for you, Bronson. Uh, Mike Mattingly wants to know. How much time did Corky Miller spend grooming his facial hair? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good Corky one. Corky was actually, yeah, he was a little ahead of the curve, man. He was, you know, we got the big beard thing going on the last few years in the game. He was he was one of those guys that had it way back in the day, the big Fu Manchu, yeah. man. Everybody yeah. Corky, Corky's actually a guy, he probably didn't spend any time grooming his beard. He's, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's just kind of one of those guys, man, that the shirt's always untucked and his, and his uniform's always dirty and his clothes are always wrinkled, but he don't care, man. He just gets out there and plays, but... Yeah, Corky was was uh, well liked in the organization, man, and and still coaching to this day because of how much people he's beloved in the game as well. Yeah, yeah. another he, former brave. Yeah, <laughs> of course you got. You well, come on, man! I got that up, man. I, I know who my guys are. What, what can I say? Uh, Gary, our resident uh, Philly fan. He said that uh, you're lucky because normally Phillies fans have batteries or snowballs, so you should feel that you, you got off light. Yeah, maybe you're absolutely <laughs> the right. The Wikipedia I, page sh- doesn't yeah, seem so bad. No, no doubt about it. I'm sure if I was standing out there warming up and Lenny Dykstra was going to be at the plate, I probably would have been hit, hit, hit with batteries. No doubt about it. <laughs> the the game the game is uh, I I think it's probably a mirror image of life. You know, everything gets cleaned up a little bit and we evolve and and they definitely protect the players a lot more than they did in the past. I mean, some of the stuff you, you remember the John Rocker situation. Yeah. I mean, that kind of no, stuff I don't that know. was going on in the field. John Rocker? Hold on. I, I don't remember that. <laughs> Just to put that on my mind. I must have blacked out when that happened. Right. <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore. Right. I mean, they're, you know, warming up in the bullpen, and, I mean, they're about to kill this guy. Yeah. Well, speaking of different eras, okay, so in a lot of focus this year, it seems like, out of nowhere. And, yeah, last couple of years it's kind of amped up, but this year it's taken full force. The whole – where do you stand on as far as sending a message to hitters and hitting them based off of, you know, obviously the Bryce Harper thing? But, I mean, just in general, I'm not going to ask you if there's any guys that you've plunked on purpose based on anything. But, <laughs> right. you know, I, I mean, where do you stand on that? Because there seems to be an old school mentality. And, I mean, that's what I grew up with. You know, I I was hard and firm on guys not flipping bats. And, and then within the last couple of years, I've kind of changed my stance. But I still think that it needs – there needs to be certain situations and other times right. it's like, well, you know, it just happens. But right. you know, I thought the Bryce Harper situation was Bush league, but what do you stand on that as a pitcher? Yeah, I think, I think there's, um, you know, it depends on the team you're on for one, right? Cause a lot of this stuff is usually coming from the top down. It's coming from the manager. And, and a lot of times, so when I played in Boston, I mean, it was flat out said in team meetings, if Manny or David Ortiz get drilled, someone else is getting drilled, period. It doesn't matter if it bounces up there. It doesn't matter if it's a changeup. It doesn't matter if it just nips his uniform. If they get hit, somebody else is getting hit, right? Because we leaned on those guys to drive in 120, mm-hmm. and we just couldn't afford for them to be hurt, I, right? right? So yeah. um, that happened in Boston, and there, were, there was a couple of times in Boston where I had to hit guys. I led the American League, I think, one year and hit batsmen, but I only hit one or two guys on purpose that year. I think I got thrown out in Tampa one time um, hit Chris Singleton after it was kind of a back and forth war for a couple of days and we were supposed to get somebody and Schilling didn't get a chance to until the seventh inning and we didn't get it and then I had to do it the next day and um, <laughs> but for the most part for me personally like I, I could care less like I'm not giving up right. free bases right like I don't throw hard enough right I, and, and I'm, the, I don't want extra guys on base so for me I mean they, they could flip the bat do a 360 and freaking break dance on home plate it makes no <laughs> difference to me bro like at all I, I, I will take I'll take I'm to drill a guy. I'd much rather have just a, a, a six three, you know, four hopper to the shortstop is the next time up to bat. And to me, then I feel like I'm vindicated, like yeah. I, like I won the war. But um, you know, th- I mean, th- that's just ego, man. It's just you know, you can't take it out of the game. I mean, that's what we're built on in life in general. And then you take a bunch of young guys, man, who are trying to compete and battle at the highest of levels. It it, it can get out of control sometimes. But there's other guys who feel completely different on our own team. I mean, you take Homer Bailey, 
he probably is not going to take kindly to a guy flipping the bat and doing some crazy stuff on the bases. So um, I think it's all personal preference in a, in a lot of ways. And um, once in a while, it'll come. It'll come from from the uh, you know from the from the manager. And there's situations that it just has to be done, mm-hmm. no matter what. And, right. and and honestly, that's only happened to me like two or three times in my entire career where the pitching coach walked over to me and said the first guy goes down. Period. Like, and there was no there was no talking no about questions. it. Yeah. Man, that's. I don't even know. Like the first time that happens, how do you react? Or even like the first time you're in that meeting and they're like, "Look, if if Ortiz is hit, you're you're plunking the next guy." Like, yeah. How do you react coming into the league? Is it just one of those things where you're like, "All right, well, that's what I got to do." Yeah, I mean, I I think if anybody's being honest, it's probably an uncomfortable situation because I mean, it's it's basically like, you know, I mean. If, if there's a trend in the game going, if David gets hit in the very next batter, you know, the next inning, there's two outs and nobody on base and Gary Sheffield's up, right? I mean, it's the equivalent <laughs> of me just slapping him in his face if I just right. drill him in his ribs, right? <laughs> right. So, you know what I mean? It, it's, not, it's not that comfortable of a situation, especially coming from a guy like me who just doesn't have a lot of angst in me. You know what I mean? I've never been a guy who wanted to, to be in turmoil and be in drama and be in a fight. Now there's other guys who feel totally different, you know? I mean, yeah. if you look at Bumgarner, I mean, he's just egging a fight every time he yeah. gets the opportunity, right? Because it, it's just it's what's in his nature but for me i've been on the other side of the coin I'm, I'm always trying to avoid conflict most of the time and you know you drill guys when you have to but you know when you're young and you're 22 years old and you and, and they say hey you got to hit this guy man it could be anybody i mean it could be barry bonds at the plate right And you're just like wow i mean i've had i've had times when i've had my manager tell me that i had to drill some of my best friends in the game you know what i mean really? like this guy comes up man he's going down first time and it was for something that would have happened you know that had nothing to do with me but, it, but 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 therefore but i just happened to be on the mound man, that day yeah. when he's playing and That's i had to crazy. do it you know and it's 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 no fun really but man. uh it's just the way it is. You know, I've always wondered about that. You mentioned like friends on a, on a, the other team. Do you have those instances like those dudes that when they come to town, it's like, "All right, guys, we're going out, we're partying." Like, do you cuz it seems like in baseball there's there's the handshakes at the end of the game and it's, "Ah, yeah, everybody's kind of friendly, but it's almost feels like everybody just goes their separate ways." But it seems like you might have those dudes that you're like, "Yeah, let's go party." Yeah, it, it depends on the, the team. It's always different. It depends on the guys. You know, there's those, those old sayings of the Yankees back in the day when they were, were um, you know, 25 players, 25 cabs. And no, yeah. nobody was hanging out together, right? And they, they all they all were going their separate ways. And it depends on it depends on kind of the maturity level of the team too. If you have a bunch of young guys who just come from the minor leagues, what you don't realize is a lot of times in the minor leagues you have you have you always have a roommate on the road, right? So because they're not going to give everybody their own room because right. they don't have enough money. So yeah. so you always have a roommate on the road. And if you've done that from the rookie league all the way to AAA, that could be five years. So now you go to the big league level and everybody gets their own room. For the younger guys, that's not that comfortable sometimes. So a lot of times yeah. you want to hang out with the boys and the younger guys and go out and eat together and do those things but then sometimes as guys get a little bit older in the game they enjoy their alone time maybe they have a family they got kids they got a nanny around and they're doing kind of their own thing a lot and they don't tend to hang out with a lot of guys a lot yeah. so so it depends on a lot of times how old the ball club is really and um you know but there are times when there's guys on other teams especially for me I had a boat here for five years you know and I would I would always take guys out you know I would I would call the other clubhouse and if those guys that I was even remotely friendly with you know maybe I'd even played against them long enough I didn't even know them on a personal level but I'd call over there and be like hey man I got some people coming out of the boat if y'all want to come just let me know if anybody else on the team wants to go but that's just my personality I I enjoy hanging out with people and I do that other guys um maybe keep to themselves a little bit more yeah that that'd be cool to just be like hey Chris Bryant yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and to be honest with you, yeah, the thing is, you know, baseball, a lot of times, I, I think in any sport, I saw a documentary a long time ago about the um, Chicago Bulls, like in the mid 90s. And, and, and it was one of the one of the guys who wasn't a starter. He was like he was like the sixth man or something. And he was um, he had a camera with him and it was kind of like filming a week with the Chicago Bulls. And he was like, this is basically all I do. I go to the arena. I come back to my hotel room. That's all I do. Right. And yeah. a lot of times that is true. Right. In the game. And so, you know, if you can take guys out, out of their norm. And like I said, I would take guys out on the boat and just kind of give them a little bit of a different experience and they would get anywhere else. If you just you can't do it all the time because you don't want to burn too much energy. Right. But but every once in a while, if you can catch something kind of cool like that, I think it can be a little bit of a reprieve of the grind of the game. Do you miss the uh, the anonymity from before you made it into the bigs? Like, I feel like now if you were to go out in Cincinnati, you're a very recognizable guy right. where people are going to be like, fucking Bronson Arroyo's here. Right, right. Like, do you miss... Does that ever get old? Yeah, no, you... it, doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me at all. Now, now, most guys would tell you the opposite. I played with Kevin Euclid, and at the end, you know, he was like, man, I can't walk anywhere in Boston. People are just like, Uke, Uke, Uke. <laughs> you know, they're constantly calling your name. But then, you know, I always tend to say, well, Uke, man, I mean, think about it, bro. 2003, me and you were in AAA together in Pawtucket. You're, tell- <laughs> you're telling me that you don't want to walk down the street, you don't want to walk down Newberry Street in Boston and have people know your name, right? right? Like, that's what we're all working 
happen for pretty yeah. much in any genre of life, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be recognized for what you do. Absolutely. And so I've never, I've never hated on that at all, man. If I go out and a lot of times my friends from home or my girlfriend or whoever's with me, they'll just, you know, I'll come to the park sometimes dressed a little bit differently because a lot of times at home we don't have to dress up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you can come in board yeah. shorts and flip-flops if you want, but on the road we always have to dress a little nicer. So every once in a while I might have like road clothes on at home and, right. and Joey Votto will say like, dude, what are you doing, bro? And I'll be like, oh, I'm going to the mosh pit across the street after the game. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to the bars across the street. And he's like, dude, you're out of your mind, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, I enjoy mixing it up with people because I, I've just seen how everyone else has complained about it. Mm-hmm. And I like going to a bar talking with people and having some college kids leave and say, dude, that guy just talked to me like he's known me my whole life. Right, that yeah. was awesome. And to me, to be able to put that down, that love and that kindness for people to take pictures and hold it down, when I go home, I'm exhausted from it, no doubt about it, because you're having to keep this up energy all the time. Right. But I love doing that, man. You go to a bar, you hang out with people, you take a picture, you, you, you chat it up, you sing a song with the band, and you know <laughs> what I mean? You're there for a couple of hours, and yeah, it wears you out, and you can't do it every night. But to me... The flip side of that coin of just complaining about people, oh, they know that I can't go anywhere and they know who I am. To me, that's it's ludicrous. Nice. Who did Bronson Arroyo want to grow up to pitch like when you were younger? Who who did you emulate? Who did you watch that you're like, all right, this is what I'm going to try to pitch? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a style of, of either one of the guys um, that I emulated as a kid. But early on, people asked me where the leg kick came from. Mm-hmm. That came from <laughs> 1985, 1986 when I'm just starting to pitch after T-ball. And I'm seeing Dwight Gooden, right? He's a total nice. stud. My parents, for some reason, were Mets fans. We were living down in the Keys, and they, we had the satellite dish, one of the really early ones, and we got to see a lot of those games. And, and his leg kick was a little different than mine. It wasn't quite as straight, but mm-hmm. that large leg kick kind of, that's what resonated in my mind, and, I, and that's what my brain turned it into. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, and, and Doc wasn't quite the same guy, and I started realizing that, you know, command was king. Um, watching Greg Maddox was just impossible to, there it is. to, yeah. to not love the guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my all time favorite pitcher uh, to dude. watch. I, 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 I say he's the greatest pitcher who ever walked planet Earth. Period. I, 355 wins without throwing 90, 90 miles an hour. You're never gonna find that again. I'm still mesmerized when I watch games from old Braves games now. I mean, I still right. watch and think, yeah. God, I, it's amazing to watch that pinpoint control with guys now that you know throw harder. But with less accuracy. Right, right. Like, it's fun to watch yes. the fireballers and strikeouts and everything, but there was just something about the way Maddox pitched that was just such yeah. an artistry that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, only it's ridiculous. I mean, the thing is, and a lot, a lot of times people talk about a guy like me who pitches differently and outside the box, and I need command and change of speeds and stuff, but he took it to a whole nother level. I mean, he, I mean the, the command was just ridiculous. I mean, if he missed by two or three inches, you know. On, on, on one pitch in inning, you were just like, wow. Right. I mean, it was just amazing. And, and to win 15 games almost 20 years in a row, I think he missed it by one season where he had 14 wins. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous. Look, I've got, I've got, I don't even have 150 wins yet. I think I got 148 now. He has 355. I need to play a whole nother lifetime <laughs> to catch the dude. I mean, that's a joke, bro. That's crazy to yeah. think. Crazy. Uh, that is kind of wild. We got some Facebook questions that came through. Uh, this one's from my wife, who's watching upstairs. Uh, she said, as a hairdresser, she's sitting there watching the video and appreciates the hair. Uh, she wants to know if it's that's if that's your uh, natural hair color. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I've, I've been coloring my hair for a lot of years. Um, this is my natural curly. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I've straightened it a good bit too. When I figured out what keratin was, I used to, uh, do that a good bit, but these days I'm leaving it curly a little bit, but, um, no, you know, I, I grew my hair out to put it in cornrows in, in the early two thousands when I was still with the pirates, but then it, it came back around and in, in, in Boston was kind of a way bigger thing. But after that Oh four season, I said, I'm going to let it grow. And I, I never could push through the curly stage of having that really bad hair that just yeah. couldn't do anything <laughs> it's with. Brutal. So right. I, I, fi- I finally pushed through it in now. Boston because I had enough clout there that I could go to a club with a hat on. Right. <laughs> it was like, you go to a club and they're like, dude, no. Ha- oh, oh, it's Bronson. Oh, it's okay, Bronson. bro. You can stay. All right. Leave the hat on. <laughs> so because I got to do that for a whole season by the Oh five, I got it long enough and I I realized, oh, this is manageable. And then somebody showed me what keratin was and showed me what a flat iron was. And I was like, man, I didn't even, I, I thought every girl at the club that had straight hair had straight hair. They're like, I'm like, I do remember thinking his hair is so straight back in the day. I'm like, man, yeah, I go, I never got, thought about an iron though. Yeah, I kind of go in and, in and out of different styles a little bit, but um, you know, I always say, I mean, you got to try to, if you want to do something, try to do it well. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to have hair that's long, man, you can't just try to leave it terrible yeah, all the time right <laughs> uh we got a baseball related question uh ruining everything I know, here. <laughs> uh, this one's from jeremy he said that his son plays baseball for an eight and under select team 
He wanted to know if you played travel ball when you were younger, and at what age did you know that you could play ball beyond high school? Right. Um, I didn't play travel ball back then. You know, I was I was growing up in the mid '80s uh, at his age, and there was no travel ball teams. You played at your podunk little, uh, you know, city <laughs> league, whatever it was. You got your twenty games in on your Saturday and your yeah. your Tuesday or whatever it was, and and you, and you paid twenty five dollars to play, and that's all we had, and and and. Those were the days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Those were the days. Man. You look back Seriously. now, I mean, th- those are the guys you want to hang with, right? right, right. Baseball now is so expensive to do. Like, I mean, at the end of me playing baseball, I remember it's just like, so I'm going to have to uh, throw a lot of papers right. for this baseball season because <laughs> mom and dad are going to need a little help. Absolutely. Ponying up the dough on this one. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting it's getting absurd. I mean, you know, I've got to help out people every now and again. They got, you know, a good quality um, baseball player in their family who's 14 years old, you know, and, and you basically got to keep up with the Joneses these days. If oh, you, yeah. you feel like yeah. you got to be exposed to the scouts and stuff, so you want to play in the travel ball. But um, I didn't play any travel ball, but I, I think by the time I was, you know, I, I grew up very strange, and, and um, a lot of people say that. But, you know, I, I, when I was eight, eight years old, like he's talking about, they showed a video of me on ESPN one time. They came to me, it was probably about 2012, and they said, we always hear these stories, man, but do you have any pictures? And I said, I don't have any pictures, but I got video. And so they put this video on ESPN, and it was me. I'm eight years old. I weigh about 55 pounds, and I'm squatting 235, and I'm deadlifting 255 and Holy benching 130. Shit. And it was, it was me maxing out over these two days. And so <laughs> I, I grew up very strange down in the Keys with my father, and he was into powerlifting, and all of his friends were into powerlifting. And they, they all benched in the 400s, and they squatted in the 600s. And so when I was when I was four or five years old, I used to sit and watch them in the gym. And so when I played t-ball, my father realized that I could backhand a ball and throw it across the infield like a 12-year-old without ever playing catch with me. And so he just realized there was something special here. So he said, I'm going to put him in the weight room. I'm going to make him stronger, and I think I can at least get him a free education in college. And so it just became this thing. And my father is kind of a guy who doesn't miss anything. It's, he's very organized, and it's always a routine, right? So there was just never a day that we didn't do what was on the schedule that day. And that was whether I was playing basketball in high school, whatever, we went out to the gym we got our we got our baseball stuff done and so I, I kind of grew up in a way where I felt like and I even knew at that young age that I was doing more than everyone else yeah right like I knew I was a talented player I knew I knew my hand-eye coordination was fantastic and I knew that I was doing stuff in the weight room that nobody else on the planet was doing at that age mm-hmm. and so in my mind you know by the time I was eight nine years old man I was literally telling myself and saying out loud if I don't get in a car crash or something weird happened to me like I'm going to play in the big leagues I didn't know I was going to be a pitcher I thought I'd be a shortstop Ozzie Smith was my favorite player growing up and I played I played high school ball and I I played shortstop and I wasn't pitching but from a very young age we felt like that we were seeing the finish line that maybe other people weren't seeing until later into high school because they didn't get into the weight room and stuff until then but you know my father was talking about carbo loading and was talking about taking vitamins at this really young age right so I, I was basically being a professional athlete way way back then which which is kind of strange because you hear these bad stories about a guy like Todd Marinovich right and how it always goes wrong and they wind up being drug addicts and and hating the game but my father had a weird way of kind of spinning it positive all the time he wasn't the guy who was always like well you went three for four but you struck out it was it was more like (laughs) you went oh for four but who cares tomorrow you're gonna go three for four right Right. and so just that little little twist on it just made all the difference in the world about this positivity and so um at a very young age to answer his question I I felt like I was going to play in the big leagues and it just I'm sure a lot of people have felt that way but I felt like I was doing work that nobody else was and so I felt like I was a little more justified in saying it yeah that's funny because that's about the same age that I realized I wasn't going to be in the big leagues because <laughs> all of the shortstops were the ones that had all the skills. Because when you're at that age, they stick you at short, they stick you at center field. I was at second base. That was and they stick yep. you at second base or right field if you got no skills. And I'm like, all right, well, this is just going to be something fun to do as a kid. They were like, I'm Mike, you, make can't, the bigs. Right. you can't make that throw. We're going to put you at second base. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go home and watch more Braves games after this and call it a day. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the weightlifting. Martin wants to know if you played any other sports growing up. I did. I, I played. I played just one year of football, and I played basketball pretty much all, all growing up. I probably would have, if I had the time, I would have played a lot of things. I would have loved probably to play tennis. My mother was a good tennis player. I would have loved to get into golf, which I never played as a kid. But I, I you know, I, I just think competition is kind of built into some guys, right? You just yeah. love it, right? And, and mm-hmm. my hand our coordination was good, so I would have loved anything. I would have loved ping pong. I would have loved lacrosse. <laughs> I think I would have loved anything, to be honest with you. But, you know, with, with, the, with the sports overlapping, I was already overlapping basketball with baseball, and I would miss the first, you know, I would miss all the, the early practices, and I would still miss the first few games of the season. Um, 
and, and football, I just felt like if I had I played, I played when I was 12 one year, and I just felt like the contact as we got older and people were getting bigger and I was a thin guy, I felt like there was a chance I could snap a knee or just you know break an ACL or something. It was going to impede my baseball career, so I kind of shied away from that. So what do you enjoy outside of baseball? What sport do you enjoy most watching on TV? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, man, I think I think I – I don't watch that much sports on TV. I don't when I'm, if I'm watching TV. I don't watch anything that is 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 made up usually. So I, I don't enjoy sitcoms. I never did. I was kind of a kid who was always out in the trees, man. I you know I was with my friends trying to make Chinese stars and seeing who could jump off the roof and be a ninja. Or, you know, like <laughs> I was just like I just had a, awesome. yeah. I just had like a lot of energy, man. You, you know, because I already I think by nature I had a lot of energy, and also my father was doing this thing for me in the weight room, mm-hmm. so I was even getting more. And so I always wanted to be outside and kind of burning energy, but um, so I didn't watch I didn't watch a lot of TV. So watching sports even on TV sometimes can feel I can feel a little trapped if I'm watching something for two or three hours, but. You'd think that I'd be bored with baseball, but I probably watch baseball more than anything. I, yeah. I will, I, I'll enjoy any sport at the level of uh, of the playoffs. Like so, right. basketball playoffs. You watch a good Patriots Not game in the playoffs. Not this year. Playoffs for basketball. Right. Other years, no. <laughs> most years. Yeah, I mean, you want to see the elite play, and, and that's right. always fun. But to actually just sit and watch a full NBA game, I haven't done it since the day I got a car. I don't think, or even an NFL game. I'll catch. You know, I'm kind of in and out of it. I'm catching some of it, and then come back for the fourth quarter or something. I don't really get to see the whole thing. I'm totally figuring out exactly where I screwed up in life. <laughs> Playing video games, watching TV. This is why I never made it to the bigs, and I'm just sitting here talking about. Yeah, it. man, that's the reason, not the yeah, whole no, no, natural no, no, talent no, thing. None and... of that other stuff. It's just I, I was too busy playing video games. So, you know. uh, Bronson, just so you know, Scott's fiance Cheryl said that you have an invitation to their wedding. So there you go. You're invited. We'll get you a save the date. Wow. Yeah. No, no, you don't get a save the date. Just come on. November 11th. I'm probably what are you doing. <laughs> come on down. I'm probably the only guy. I, 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 I tend to tout myself as a guy who will do off the beaten path things you know what I mean and I I've thought you know when I'm done playing the game I think I'll be around Cincinnati a good bit because I I just like a lot of people here I enjoy hanging out and stuff and you know I've always thought like what would you do that would be a little bit different than most guys I would love to like you know have some sort of contest where the Reds would have and I I would go to people's houses and I'd have dinner and I'd watch a Reds game with them and we'd talk baseball or something like that you know what I mean I I enjoy enjoy stopping in places when I was in Boston because I knew people loved the team so much I mean Mm. if I drove by like a college party or something man I would I would just pull my guitar (laughs) get my guitar out and just go play like three songs and then freaking just get in the car and leave and then he's like yo what was that (laughs) you know the boston version of bill murray it happened nobody's ever gonna fucking believe you exactly exactly (laughs) but you know those moments in life man if you think about it you know i've always thought if i was dave matthews or i'm john mayer man how can you help yourself but walk into a dive bar and play two or three songs and just make people go wow that really happened right (laughs) you uh you mentioned that there there was a video i found uh where you actually got to go on stage with Pearl Jam and play uh, with Eddie Vedder singing. Yeah, How fucking amazing is that? Yeah, that was crazy. That was this off. That was that was actually during the season last year. I was with the Nationals. I was I was so I went to camp with the Washington Nationals, and um, they told me my, my shoulder was eighty percent tore. I throw in three games of spring training, my arm was killing me. I mean, elbow and shoulder worse than before I had the two surgeries. And so I went into the Dusty's office. I said, "Man, they told me my shoulder is just shot." And um, I said, I think I'm going to have to hang him up, man. And he said, no, 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 you ain't hanging him up, man. This, this, this is kind of dusty. <laughs> he goes, I, I might need you for the second half, man. He's like, <laughs> he's like, already thinking yeah, ahead. yeah. He goes, he goes, go down to the rookie league, man, and just get it right. Come on. You got to go. And so, and so, <laughs> and so I was like, all right, cool. I'll stick around because, you know, I, I enjoy it. But I just thought, you know, there wasn't a chance of me pitching again. And so um, I was down there and I kind of had some freedom to do whatever I wanted because I wasn't. You know, I wasn't doing a lot of stuff. I was just rehabbing a little bit. And so I saw Pearl Jam was playing Fenway. And F- Pearl Jam's been my favorite band of all time. I've gotten to know Eddie over the last uh, probably 10 years. And I've seen a lot of shows. And, and I had played at a, at a solo show with him one time. And he called me out of the crowd and uh, just totally surprised me. Whispered in my ear, do you know how to play this song? And I said, yeah. And then we wind up banging it out. And oh, that, to shit, me, was actually amazing. even – That was even crazier than playing with, with Pearl Jam, the whole band, because – 
with the band, it was pre-planned, uh-huh. and we had a little bit of a rehearsal. Yeah. But that night, he called me out of the crowd, man, and just whispered in my ear. He said, Ooh. I'm going to get you in two songs. And it was just me with an acoustic guitar and him singing, so there was nobody Holy to hide behind, <laughs> which was fantastic. But th- that night in Fenway, man, I, I mean, the video of that is just ridiculous. I mean, he's such a special guy, too. I mean, eight minutes into the song, he's just letting this thing kind of breathe, you know. And he, he, he said, you know, once you show Bronson how special it can be up here, he's only got one shot. Once you get those lighters out or get some lights out and 40,000 people, <laughs> and you can see the mound, it was glowing because it was a tarp on it and the whole infield had nobody on it you know i'm standing in fenway park i'd won a world series there playing my favorite song of all time black and i'm standing next to stone gosser and i'm singing the backup vocals and we hadn't talked about that either if you watch the video you look at i I just saw eddie's body language we hadn't talked about me singing those backup vocals and he i could just tell he was like hey man you're gonna sing this thing and i was like yeah all right so (laughs) shit yeah that was that was that was fantastic and and uh people say man how good was that for you and i'd say I would I would never give away the experience of winning a World Series when we won it, but I'd give the ring away for that for experience, that? no doubt about it. The wow. actual ring, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give up winning a World Series, but, I mean, you know, when you're a 15-year-old kid, you're listening to Black in the Car and singing it hundreds and hundreds of times on your guitar <laughs> and manifesting that in your head and saying, one day, I'm going to sit with Eddie Vedder. I don't know where it's going to be, but I'm going <laughs> to play Black with Ed. I don't know if it's going to be in the rooftop of a building in Pittsburgh or if it's going to be in the basement of his house or somewhere, but I'm going to manifest this and to make it happen, fantastic. So Dude, has there ever been a time, you know, maybe that was it, where you've been starstruck, for lack of a better word? Have you ever been like, oh, man, you know, I'm meeting this person. Like, Bronson Arroyo yeah. is actually starstruck from meeting this person. Absolutely. That's the, that's the only person that's gotten me like that. In Boston, there would, there would be a lot of guys that would come through the locker room. You'd see, you'd see, you know, from presidents to, to Michael Jordan to Bill Cosby to oh, – um, <laughs> that's the one right you know, there for me. Steve, Steven Tyler. I mean, they would just be large names that would come through there all the time, you know. And um, all of them, you know, just seemed they were just humans to me. Mm-hmm. They were just normal guys. You right. know what I mean? You could just you could just tell that. But for for whatever reason, Eddie to me, and and you know, I've spoken with Ozzy Smith. I met Ozzy Smith, and he was my childhood hero. But the same, just human. Really, you know. But 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 Eddie, there's something special about him, man. If you sit and talk with him for a while, it's almost like he's a guy who you feel like has. The, the 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 answers to the universe as if like like the Beatles would go to the Maharashi right and they were like oh, this guy on the top of the hill right you know I want to go up in the helicopter with him because he's about to give me the answers right <laughs> and and Eddie feels that way and the way that he talks and how present tense he is and the lyrical content of all the songs are, are just so special and um you know he he didn't let me down you know I mean a lot of times you hear people you meet your heroes and they're just not what you thought they were and right. he's he's been exactly what I thought he was and the shows are. I mean, if you've never been to a Pearl Jam show, man, three hours and ten minutes, it's it's ridiculous. I, I took my girl to the opening show here on October 1st of 2014. Me and Sean Casey took Eddie to meet Pete Rose at the Green Diamond Museum. Holy um, shit. Because wow. Eddie's a huge baseball fan, so right. he wanted to meet Pete. So we had dinner. We jammed some songs when everybody left. Me, Sean, and Eddie, and a couple of uh, Sean's friends, we got we played till about 5 o'clock in the morning. And... Um, and then we went to the show two days later, and I told my girl, you know, she was like, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of popular bands in the world, Bronson. I mean, what's the big deal? I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're going to see. So we went to the show, and about halfway through, she said, I cannot believe what's going on here. She said, if I don't look at Eddie on the stage, she goes, I think Adolf Hitler's up there. She's like, the entire crowd is just here with the guy, like every – Every word he's saying, yes. you know what I mean? And Ooh. after 25 years to bring that kind of energy into a place every night, it's fantastic. That's crazy, oh, man. man. So you mentioned like being the type of guy that would go jump in a college party. Like now, have you ever done that in Cincinnati where you just like pop into a bar with your guitar and like, hey, yeah. let me let me play a few yeah, songs? Yeah, gonna, I'm going to do it sometime coming up here, I think, over at the um, – I did it after the – I've done it a few times at um, the Holy Grail. Across the street, yeah. I'll, I'll have somebody in there with an acoustic guitar already playing or whatever, or have a full band, and I'll just go over there and just play 10 Show songs up, right. and then and just leave. Or you know, a lot of times you go to a bar and just pop up on stage and sing a song or two. But um, a lot of times back 06, 07, 08, 09, when I was living on Mount Adams, my first few years here, I was going out a lot. And and back then, there was not a lot of bars downtown, as you guys know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so everything was up on the mountain a lot of times, unless you were going to be in Kentucky. Right, so right. I, I would drag 30, 40 people home of probably two nights a week to my house. And um, I just enjoyed, like, running into a pack of people. You're walking home, and they're all buzzed, and they're just like, Bronson, what's up, bro, across the street? <laughs> and, and I wind up talking to them, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to my house. Y'all want to come? Have a couple beers. I'm going to play you guys four songs, and then you got to go home. Right? But just to, I could never just, imagine that. But just to do that, to do that That's for awesome. people, man, it's fantastic. Yeah. Right. And I mean, literally, there's no better feeling in life that that – to me, trumps winning baseball games. It just does because, wow. you know, at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, the game is going to it's going it's going to expire. You know, it's it's going to terminate all of us because of right because we're going to get old and biology says you're done. Right. And so the moments that you have with people, I think, are just more important. It just is. And that's why the camaraderie in the clubhouse and the connection you have with your teammates are going to outlast the, the wins and losses. And that's why, you know, being a good guy in the clubhouse, it's part of the reason why I'm still here. It's the, it's the reason why Brian Price wants me to be here is because he knew what I brought to the table inside of that clubhouse. And so every now and again, I don't rarely get on and read anything because I don't I still have a flip phone. I don't have a lot of technology. <laughs> Somebody did ask if you still <laughs> yeah. had a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's uh, like, it's rumor that he has a flip phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I do. And he just and pulled I, it out. Yeah. And our, our trainer's calling me. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, I, uh, I lost my train of thought, but I, w- I was talking about um, just the fact that you know, connecting with people, man, it's, it's just, it just seems it, it, at the end of the day, it's just where it's at. And that's, that's why he's been able to have me come back and just know that I could take care of the young guys and bring a vibe in the clubhouse. And if it was going to be a, a, a party thrown where you're dressing the rookies up, it was going to be me. And if, you know, if, you know, when we're on the bus at night and we're in between the, the, the airport and you got a half hour till you get into the hotel and everybody's a little buzzed up from having a couple of beers on the thing and you got to haze some of these these guys and make it funny <laughs> and put a skit together like I'm the guy who's going to be doing it you know and a lot of that stuff it really does make the year enjoyable and, and it makes a team grow and, and kind of go Mike I don't want to tie up anymore this dude's time yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think mean, I think we need to get into consumer can. This All has been right, fucking awesome, and he's getting calls from the trainer. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> trainer's like, I saw the video. I saw you were drinking. <laughs> get back. Those to the couple house. sips of beer. <laughs> right. We gotta do some squats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so consumer can it. Uh, this week we've got Mount Carmel's Amber Ale. Uh, Bronson, let's do the honors, man. Are you gonna consume this beer? Or are you gonna can it? And never taste it again. Oh, I think this is uh, for a non-beer drinker who doesn't really love the taste of many beers. This is fantastic. Boom! Nice. That's well. That's I don't need consume. to go any far, yeah. farther than that. I mean, pretty much says it all. But no, this great beer, uh, Mount Carmel, doesn't disappoint. I, to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of amber ale, ales are bitter, and I do not like yeah. the taste of them just because it, it leaves you with a, a bitter back end taste. Not at all with this. This is perfectly smooth. Consume for me. Yep. Awesome beer. Uh, hats off to Mount Carmel. I haven't found a beer from them that I don't like. Nah. And their brewery. If you get a chance, man, they're out on the east side of town. It's an old farmhouse that they converted into a brewery. So it, it feels like you're drinking at your grandma's house. It's a really fucking cool place oh, to that's hang fantastic. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah th- those are the things that I haven't got an opportunity to do. That's the one downside to the game of baseball. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes me want to retire is that there's so much out there in life to do. Right. To go see. And I've never had the opportunity because when you're in San Francisco and you think, oh, I'm going to go to Alcatraz, but I got to shag and I got to get a workout in after the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got, yeah, I got, F it. Yeah, you just don't want to do yeah. it. And so there's so many things out there that I'm, I want to do. And, and, yeah. And and, uh, you know, to explore a city, man, it will be fantastic. Well, my fiance is still trying to get you to her wedding. And he's, she says you can play at her wedding or you can walk her down the aisle. So there's all types of opportunities. You can either crash it or you can be part of it. She, apparently, she just wants you there. So, you know. Hey, sounds like you need Michael Lorenzen. He's a two-way player, bro. Like a center fielder and a relief pitcher. I think you need, you need somebody to walk her down the aisle and play the music. Huh? She, she's like, just get him there. Oh, shit. Bronson, dude, this has been so awesome. Thank you you so much for for coming and hanging out, We've only been doing this for a little over a year, but easily... Our best interview, killer. Yet. Well, this is my first podcast, so dude, yeah, you're gonna do your own podcast. I, I, I heard know. Tanya was trying to talk. Yeah, me she into was trying to talk podcast. me into it. And I don't know. You know, I, I think this. You know, people always tell me you got to do something. You have to do something when you're done playing the game, Bronson, because you just you just have a creative vibe to you, and you you need to right. figure something out. But I hadn't put my finger on it, but it'll it'll come in time. I don't know what it's gonna be, but something. Well, I'll well, tell you what, man. You, if you man. wanna if you wanna podcast it, uh, I got the setup here. I'll be your your producer. You just come <laughs> right. in. Yeah, we'll be here. we'll be your hype man. Yeah, I'll just. I'll just sit here and run everything for you so that you can just do your thing, man. Shit. And, I'll, and you know, it'll you be guys a- are doing a fantastic job. Man. You know <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. And at some point, more than welcome. The door is always open. Yeah, We'd man. love to have you on the show again. Maybe Absolutely. in the off season when you got more free time or, right. you know, whatever. If yeah. you're not trying to you know, <laughs> do all those things that you don't get a chance to do during right, the right, season. Right. <laughs> Understandably. But well, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. As always, follow us on Twitter at Craft B Sports. You can follow Scott at Scotty K underscore Jr. You can follow me at Mike Burlon. We got an Instagram page now at Craft B oh, Sports. Yeah. We're moving on. Uh, that's the only social media you got, right, Bronson? Is Instagram? Instagram. I just got it this year. Yeah. I, I actually I kind of made a bet with Rookie Davis. <laughs> 
<laughs> who's down down he's in Arizona right now hurt but uh, he was bugging me you know it's so funny man because when you get uh like one generation back it's like no big deal. Two or three generations behind you. These guys, these guys really want to like prod you, man. They're like, yo, dude, I didn't know you were going to wear Jordans to the park, bro. You wear Jordans? You're 40, bro. Like, like, hey, so, tell them to go somewhere. You're allowed to wear Jordans forever. Jordans are timeless, damn it. Amir Garrett's always all over me. But but Rookie, he was like, hey, man, you got, you got no social media. You got to do something. I'm like, all right, I'll tell you what. If I make the club, which is an outside shot, and I win a baseball game, which is a more of an outside <laughs> shot. I said, I'll get an Instagram account for you. So I'm doing it. I haven't checked it that often. I, I still got to figure out my way, a way to actually uh, to, to get the fruit out of the thing. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to feel like you're maximizing the product. You know what I mean? Because I don't like to do stuff half-assed. So we'll see what happens. Don't blame yeah. me. Awesome, man. Well, good uh, luck the rest of the season. Yeah, thank Thanks you so much for hanging out. Show. Appreciate it, it's guys. It's been great. Appreciate it. Uh, and thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, tune in tomorrow night. We'll be at Fibonacci Brewing. Yes, in, on the road uh, again. Cincinnati. Another road game. We're hoping that Mike doesn't get scared <laughs> like last night. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.